Disrupting Japan, Episode 67. Welcome to Disrupting Japan, straight talk from Japan's most successful entrepreneurs. I'm Tim Romero, and thanks for listening. The Internet of Things is unstoppable. It's so broadly defined these days, connectivity is cheap, and it can be added to just about anything. Of course, whether it should be added or not is another matter entirely. That's a question that's near and dear the heart of Takuma Awasa, founder and CEO of Cerevo, one of the most innovative connected device makers in Japan. Takuma started his career at Panasonic, and he had high hopes of creating all manner of consumer devices that could take advantage of Internet connectivity. What he found, however was that his job consisted mostly of finding ways of trying to force Internet connectivity into existing products. Genuinely new products and innovations were being dismissed out of hand. Well, Takuma did what everyone should do, but very few people actually do in that situation. He quit his job, took some of the best engineers with him, and he started his own company. Now, there are a lot of gadgets and IoT devices being built in Japan, but Cerevo has a genuinely interesting and methodological approach to it. During the interview, you'll hear Takuma try to downplay that strategy as just gut instinct. But as you listen, you'll understand the very rational method behind what, from the outside, might look like madness. We'll talk about plenty of cool devices but I think you'll find the strategy that underlines Cerevo's success to be at least as interesting. But you know, Takuma tells that story much better than I can. So let's hear from our sponsors and get right to the interview. I want to tell you about Justa. Now, I've known these guys for years, and I've been recommending them long before they became a sponsor. Justa is really the only recruiting site that gets bilingual startups. Whether you're looking for American engineers or Japanese sales staff or the other way around, Justa can help you out. Unlike recruiting companies, they're priced to be very startup friendly. And unlike job boards, they're an active part of the startup community here. And they're trusted by some of the best talent Japan has to offer. So drop by Justa.io and see what they're about. So I'm sitting here with Takumu Iwasa of Saravo. Now, Cerevo, I'm tempted to call it a gadget company, but that's not really fair because you guys do a lot more than just make little gadgets. Mm -hmm. So can you tell us a little bit about what Cerevo does? Okay, so my company name is Cerevo, and uh, we say Cerevo is a consumer electronics startup company. Okay. Not gadget, right? Right, that's (laughs) true. We are really focusing to... The connected the consumer electronics devices, okay. connected robot or connected camera or connected, of course, a gadget. Right. And sometimes we tried uh, connected toy, connected sports equipment. You guys make so many different kinds of Internet of Things products. Mm-hmm. We could spend the whole podcast just listing them all. There's a okay. huge variety of them. Mm-hmm. I mean, you make everything from tools for IoT developers. Mm-hmm to sports, connected sports equipment, to video streaming equipment. But first, let's let's back up a little bit. Okay. You started... From 2008. 2008? Yes. Please. So my personal background is I 
spend a time into the Ritsumeikan University. It's a Kyoto University. I study computer science, but I'm not good for the software programming. So you, you studied software development, but you just weren't very good at it? Yes. So, but I w a l k i n g into the very, very small startup company and I, in a college student, the generation, I spent a so long time to make a, the website and uh, I received some of the job from the boss and uh, I managed the many, my friends. I received the job from the client and I spread out and cutting up the A part is my friend B and the B part is this friend, C part is this friend. So kind of project manager. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I also the programmer and the manager. In that time, I spent a so long time to make a computer programming and uh, the, my friend started uh, to do from one to the 100. They spent uh, just five days. Okay. At the same time, I started the same, almost the same to-dos. I already spent one week, but I already, I, I, I can't do just only 20 or 25. <laughs> but I can really easily manage my friends. Okay. But I can't try the to, yeah, development. Then after the college, I decided to go to the product manager, okay. not a program. And you were with uh, Panasonic? Right? Yes. I, I like, really like a zero to one timing. That means end of the 2001, that timing is a dot com bubble bubbling the years. Yeah, yeah. So, Just as it was starting to burst. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The web based, internet based companies are already growing to the big company. And I like to the touch to the internet or computer network job. But the, my I forget the, the aptitude. <laughs> aptitude is not, not the, the good for the programming. Then I'm looking for the many, not the purely internet companies. So automotive company, consumer electronics company, and you know, I tried uh, some other fashion company or so many different type of business area. So when you were saying you were, you were trying all of these companies, was this? I'm just, were, just looking for. Just exactly, yeah. just checking them out. Checking for, and oh, okay. uh, just the, go, go into the interview. Then I find the consumer electronics is uh, almost all the blue ocean from the internet view. So the consumer electronics with internet, it's just born from the 2001 or for 2002. Well, that's true. Going back to yeah, 2001, almost no companies were seriously trying to connect. Yes. They, they weren't seriously trying to make smart appliances. Yeah. There were a few gimmicky. Yes. And also the, some of the R&D department, the Panasonic R&D department or Sharp R&D department that try to internet refrigerator or. Right, right. <laughs> microwaves. Internet that, microwave. Microwaves that could access yeah. recipes. And people have to connect the phone cable to the microwave. <laughs> right. So that's a really ugly in the really early stage of the internet connected consumer electronics. Then I go to the Panasonic and I start to the producing the internet connected devices. Ah, what, From, what kind of device? As far as my job is、uh, remote, the TV programming, reserving the website for the older style, the mobile phone. It's not a smartphone. Right, right. <laughs> But people can reserve the Uh, how to say, recording on my today's one of the TV programs from、okay. the mobile phone. After that, I try to the TV with YouTube. I discuss with the Google and the YouTube guys and built it in the YouTube function to the Panasonic TV. And finally, my the job is connected camera 
This is a camera with the Wi-Fi in the cloud system. Okay, so you were working at that at Panasonic as yeah. well. So ah. the, almost all of my the business background in the IoT, IoT, and IoT. Your first product at Cerevo was also yeah, video camera. streaming. Yes. What made you decide to leave Panasonic and start up your own company? The story is really, really difficult to translate from Japanese to the English, but <laughs> I'm going to try. Okay. So, uh, in China, Panasonic, one or two years, I'm very happy to touching the huge the consumer electronics business with the internet business. Mm -hmm. But I faced on the huge war with from the internet business side guys and the consumer electronics business guys side. So just politics. Um, not only politics, but they are completely different the approach you know, or thinking pattern. Of course, the politics. The Im image, like uh, Google guys in uh, Bank of America guys. O of course, they are trying to improve and improve every year. But the two guys, the thinking pattern or how to say. So yeah, they just think differently. Yeah, completely yeah. different thinking pattern. But they're... Bank of America and Google is not no need to collaborate with them, but the internet company and the consumer electronic company. My my job is connected, so I have to merge the two the business area. I faced on this wall, and uh, finally, the Panasonic is not so innovative and not so how to say user friendly from the internet user vision, from consumer electronics. The customer vision is, I think it's okay. It's almost okay. Really not so... Well, I think the biggest difference was that that first generation of connected mm -hmm. devices, it didn't really change anyone's behavior. Mm -hmm. It was just adding features to yeah. a product. It's correct. It's just adding in a different culture, yeah. in a different function. I'd like to make a merged the product, internet merged with the consumer electronics, not add. It's very difficult to merge because that's why the wall is available. Right. Then the, I'm looking for the job hop. Then I talked with the Sony guys, the Sharp guys, Samsung guys, but they are completely same culture as Panasonic. Right. So they were just trying to figure out how to put the internet into their existing products. Yes. Mm. Then I decided to start the new business started the company with the internet side guys and consumer electronic side guys. So did you start the company with friends from Panasonic? At first, I started the company with two investors. The name is uh, uh, Mine-san and uh, Yamada-san. And uh, Mine-san is uh, ex-Sony. He go out from the Sony and started the investment business. So he will, will know about what is internet content, what is consumer electronics. Since you didn't have a background in engineering or programming, where did you recruit the first engineers from? And, uh, and also, I have to talk about the Yamada-san. He is the uh, CEO of the Melkari, fast growing the second-hand market company. And a first engineer from the Tokyo University. He is just a part-time job, the student. And the second one is my right-hand CTO. Is He, he called the Matsuken. It's a, his real name is Matsumoto. He is uh, my the business partner in the Panasonic part-time. He worked with you inside Panasonic? Yes. Okay. That makes sense. Mm -hmm. When you first started, your, your product launch was uh, Live Shell, mm -hmm. right? The video streaming. Um, first one is a Cerebcom. This is a very small, the tiny, this is a camera. 
Okay. It's a basic function, it's just a Wi-Fi digital camera. But this one is a World First live streaming function enabled the point-and-shoot camera. Then I shift to the live show business. Okay. Now, it, it seemed like you were really focused on streaming video, streaming <clears throat> photos for the first, yeah. like, four or five years. Yes. And then suddenly, last year, Cerevo introduced a whole lot of new products. Tremendous number. So what changed? Mm -hmm. So roughly 2.5 or 3 years before, the, I and my board member decided to start a new business strategy. I named that is the global niche the strategy. The strategy is very simple. So we are a Japanese company and very difficult to investment from the very huge amount of the money. The U.S. company is okay and the China-based company has a huge amount of the venture capital money. Right. But Japan is not so much. Right, right. So the, once we are going to go to the mass the market like a GoPro or a Fitbit or something like that. So it's very, very tough. I, we have to fighting with a Panasonic or fighting with a GoPro right. if we are going to the mainstream market. So the, I, I decided to to make a very different type of the niche product. The, we are going to sell the niche product to the many different types of the countries. Okay, so let's talk about that because um, your current strategy is building many different niche brands yep. rather than having them all under the Cerevo brand. Mm -hmm. So you guys have the technology to build almost, almost anything, all mm -hmm. kinds of devices. Yes. So tell me, what is the creative process inside? How do you decide what projects go forward and mm -hmm. how do you decide when to turn this into a brand? So deciding process is really simple. No research, no calculation, and a no business discussion. That sounds like a dangerous process. It's not, I think it's not that dangerous because uh, we are going to try the whole new market. The Smart Snowball Binding is a whole completely new product. No, how to say, market at that time. The Dominator is a really yeah. the funny toy. It's a, it's a whole new the product. And really difficult to the research and very difficult to project about the amount or the, the business scale. Mm -hmm. Three years before, we finished to make manufacturing, great manufacturing process. We can make a whole new, like this type or this type of the product, just uh, four or five people. Time span is just a 10 months. Okay. If you are going to calculation five people, 10 months cost, it's just, uh, just a few hundred thousand dollars. Even then, you, you must have more ideas than you can build. Do just the executives decide? Is it more of a gut feeling that this will work? Idea has a no value. Everyone can make our ideas. But the, we can make a product. The, everyone cannot make a product. We, we have so many ideas. Our strategy is, uh, okay, let's go try product one. Let's go try product two, three, four, five. Then the ask to the market. So a very agile process. You bring the product to market very quickly. Mm -hmm. Then how do you decide whether to continue production or to shut it down? It's, it's completely dependent on the revenue. Okay. <laughs> yeah. One of our very strong point is uh, we have very really good relationship with uh, 
component vendor in a fa assembly factory. So the, then we can make a whole new product from the just only 500 pieces. Okay. That is a very low risk business. And uh, at first, we are going to try the few hundred or 1,000 and uh, try to ask to the market. If they're quickly sold, sold out the product, we are going to renew, renew, renew. The after spend a half year or one year, we are going to, if the product, the process is really good, so we are going to try to make a second model for this the model line. Right. So, so continue and improve it. Yes. Interesting. The team is still not that big. How much, how many people work? We have the, with the full-time guys and the part-time guys, totally they're roughly 95 or 96 people. Okay. Yeah. So how do you keep track of all the different product lines? Mm -hmm. Are there individual teams? Mm -hmm. Are like these four or five people are in charge of this one line and these mm -hmm. four or five are in yes. different? From my view, we is uh, investing to the many small startup companies. It's, it's my vision, like, like my vision. Right. No, that makes sense. It's very similar to a startup. Yes. Sir. Accelerator. Accelerator, yes. So basically, the if a team comes up with an idea and say, we want to build this, you'll, as a company, invest a few hundred thousand dollars to yes. see if it works. And if it does, you'll put more money behind them yes. and let it grow. Excellent. I imagine that must be really motivating for the, the teams involved. Yes, of course. Let's talk about going global. Because you mentioned early on the importance of being like a global niche brand. So you've been very active at the Consumer Electronics Show mm -hmm. from early, early on. Mm -hmm. Right now, what percentage of your sales are overseas mm -hmm. and what percent are Japan? There are roughly 60% is comes from the other countries. So 60% overseas. That's really unusual. That's really a great sign for a Japanese hardware manufacturer. And, and also, we doesn't have uh, any full-time partner in outside of Japan. But actually, you went global really soon, really quickly after founding. From your very first products, yeah. you were no, selling... Not so fast. I started really? business from the 2009, uh -huh. and uh, I launched the first product at the 2010, the first global selling the product. This one is a launch from the end of the 2011. Okay. And I started a global business from the 2012, February. Okay, so it took a few years to, yeah. to ramp up and to go global. Mm -hmm. For all Japanese startup founders mm -hmm. who are wanting to go global, mm -hmm. so the advantages are clear. It's mm -hmm. much, much bigger markets, yeah, yeah. much more access to customers. Mm -hmm. What was the most challenging part about going global as a small startup? Currently, we are selling in 50 different countries. Of course, the biggest market is the US, and the second one is Europe. And now they're growing up in some of the Asian countries, including India and the China. We have a strategy, what we don't do, not so much. Just showing their very, very, really unique product into the CES or IFA, that's it. Your main market entry strategy has been trade shows and exhibits. I have to say no. The main strategy is a product planning. The planning, the so unique product right now in this 2016 or 2015. I know the, how to say, media guys, the heart. And also in this, the five or six years, 
and the media guides is the raising up, raising up every year. How to say who is a media? I don't know. The blogger is media, and the podcaster is also yeah, media. Everyone is media, today. and also some, sometimes the the YouTuber is also the media guys. Everyone can make a media. Every media guys is looking for a whole new something. Then the, I decided to make a how to say very tricky and a very edgy the IoT devices. Then maybe the media guys is really easily to picking up a product. Of course, it's uh, not only U.S. guys, Latvian guys, or Chinese media guys. Do the media find you via the trade shows mostly, or do、yes. you do you do marketing and outreach directly? Yeah, basically the trade show. So right, the the product planning. I mean, if you don't have an interesting product that will spark people's imagination, no one will write about it. And so also, that makes sense. So basically, traditional trade show is to talk with the distributor or to talk with the sales guys. But the current trade show is a, to show the product to the media guys. That's true. It has really changed in the last ten years or so. Yes, that should be very encouraging、mm-hmm. to not only Japanese founders but、mm-hmm. any hardware makers around the world. Because、yep. it's if you make something worthwhile, it sounds like it's pretty easy to get the attention of the media. The, one of the curious thing is Citec、uh, is a, the Japanese most biggest consumer electronics show in, in Tokyo, but we doesn't. Talk about the city guys. Just talk to the CES guys or IFA guys. So you don't do trade shows in Japan.、Yeah. Is that just because you have already direct access to the media、yes. and there's no real advantage? And also the NHK and the TBS guys is also coming to the CES. That's true. That's right. Right. The Japanese media comes、yeah. to those shows as well. For an example, let's.、Uh, Talk about one of your your brands, the Exxon、mm-hmm. brand, which is、uh, smart bindings、yeah. and video camera gear for snowboarders mostly. What is your target for that? Is it pros? Is it amateurs? Is it just geeks who love new、yeah. gadgets? One of the most important customers is、uh, geeks of the gadget guys. Yeah, and the second one is、uh, high end amateur guys. And not only we doesn't focus to the snowboard items. We are going to launch in this month the whole new the bicycle device, telemetry yeah, device. The,、uh, the name ride is Ride One. One. Yeah. So the Exxon brand is、uh, we are going to change the sports equipment, the sports equipment to the IoT and IoT. Sports equipment is a very big, very competitive, and、mm-hmm. very specialized market. Yes. So why did you decide to create your own brand rather than going the OEM route、mm-hmm. and licensing your technology、mm-hmm. to existing brands? That's a very very good question. I understand completely the huge brand behavior. That's why I worked in the Panasonic, and my colleagues worked in a very huge companies. Before the launching the Snow One, the binding, if I Go to the Sarobon head or Mizuno or something like the, the huge sports brand company. If I go to them, and if I'm going to presentation my idea to them, maybe they are going to think about、uh, thinking two years. But we can make a new product around the ten months. Most、uh, how to say shortest and、uh, effective way is、uh, to make a whole new brand and to make a whole new technology snowboard binding at first. Using just ten months or one year, then I'm going to bring the product to collaborate with the existing huge companies. Okay. In many ways, this is the proof of concept for the、yes, market. Yes, of course. All right, that makes a lot of sense. 
And is that sort of your general strategy for, for other brands as well? Yep. We are starting up company. I feel the most important things of the startup company is the speed. So the, every time I think and decide what way is the most the speedy. Hmm. And do you view these these teams as startups? Would it be, for example, would Cerevo be looking at selling this unit to Burton or to mm-hmm. so to sell that unit to a, an acquiring yes. company? That's very happy future for me. Okay. Excellent. But not yet. <laughs> well, you know, step by step. <laughs> yeah. But no, that it makes a lot of sense if you really think about this as, if you think about Cerevo not so much as a company, but as a accelerator, mm-hmm. it's much closer to an accelerator business model than a traditional manufacturing yes. model. And do the team members also have like... Um, Stock or bonuses based on the team performance? Do they feel like they own that product themselves? Uh, currently, we don't have this type of the, the bonus or stock systems. Okay. That's purely Japanese style. Yeah. So the, the founders, the team leaders are just regular employees. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. Actually, you guys are involved in a lot of different IoT projects here in Japan. So you... You co-operate the DMM Make facility, mm-hmm. right? Uh, which is an astounding Internet of Things mm-hmm. maker's heaven. <laughs> yeah. Currently, my company is uh, one of the important partners of the DMM.make. So many s- startup companies are to make a laugh prototype. But these type of the people have to shifting up to the mass production. Right. So the, we have uh, many um, know-how, how to do mass producting or how to the distributing the product to the other com- countries. Well, it seems there's, there's actually three different levels of mass production. Mm-hmm. You have what's going on at DMN Make and, and so many other maker spaces, mm-hmm. which is closer to prototyping. Yeah, yeah. You have small lot production, mm-hmm. which is some of the... The niche brands yes. that Cerevo is making, and and then there's that that next level, which is like back what Panasonic was mm-hmm. doing, yeah. and it seems to me that jump from the niche brand to the the truly mass market mm-hmm. is extremely difficult. Mm-hmm. Do you know any any startups in Japan that have been able to to make that jump? I think it needs to depend on the the money, the, the jumping have to spend a huge amount of the promotion fee. It's not that my company issue, right? Right, so, right. Uh, If the people, one of the startup company to make a very general product, like a camera or microphone or something like that. So the, at first, they are going to try the pro- prototyping. It's easy. And the second time, it's a, the, not so much amount of the mass production, like a few thousand pieces or uh, something, 10,000 right. 10, pieces. This, the, we can support the, this area. This hopping is really, they have to spend a huge amount of the money too. So that's, that's still a very expensive yes. jump. So if, a, if an IoT startup <clears throat> became so successful that they were getting distribution through yeah. department yeah. stores and electronic stores. Yes. And also not only a promotion fee. The promotion fees are, how to say, a few million dollars. 
And also, if, if we are going to try the 20 or 30 million dollars promotion, we have to make a stock, huge amount of the stock. <laughs> you have to get 20, 30 million yeah, dollars yeah, together. Yeah, yeah. That's why the, the timing is very, very important. So the financing timing and the mass production timing and the promotion timing. In Japan, that, that type of the financing is really difficult. Okay. So then I guess it makes sense to, for part of Cerevo's business strategy to sell off the mm-hmm. business units instead of trying to really yeah. build a global brand. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah, that's why we are changing the strategy from the mass production to the global niche strategy. Okay. Excellent. Well, I've noticed you guys have run crowdfunding campaigns in the U.S. Mm-hmm. Have those been mostly just for marketing purposes, or have you used the revenue as a basis for building products? It's just a research. Just research? Yes. So we have a money, but once we are going to try the really easy the product, we like to prove the, how to say, acceptability, okay. then I'm going to use a crowdfunding. Okay. Yeah. See, now this, this gets back to what we were talking before. I knew it couldn't be so simple as just gut feel or mm-hmm. no research, no yeah, nothing. Yeah, yeah. So when you do get an idea for a product, you do do market research in the form of crowdfunding mm-hmm. and, and what else? We are separating the edgy product or really edgy product. Okay. <laughs> so edgy product is a no, no, the risk is just a 50 or 60%. Well, this one is a risk, risk is 80 or 90 percent. Okay, so, so what, what's an example of a slightly edgy product and what's an example of a, a really edgy product where you Okay, worried? so slightly one is the live show. Okay, so the video streaming. Video streaming or the one of the toy, the name is the, the Dominator, the, the toy gun. The toy gun. Yeah, it's a very edgy product, but the, we can easily to imagine customer is available in the market. Sure, it's a licensed yeah. product. Yes. It's it's uh, got that tie into yes. the anime series. So, so right, it's a, just a slightly the edge. Okay, but the I try we try to make a tape major iPhone case. The name is i tape major, and the tape major there is stored to the iPhone case. Very small. So you could real tape major. You could pull a physical tape yes. measure out of the iPhone case. And also. That was a really edgy product. Really edgy product. <laughs> and uh, our board member decided to, uh, we have to research, market research into the Kickstarter. <laughs> okay. And, and what happened with Kickstarter? It failed. It failed. Okay. <laughs> well, no, but that makes sense. Now you know. Yeah. Okay. Excellent. Let's talk about Japan in general. For someone who's mm-hmm. very passionate about uh-huh. and has spent his whole career so far on consumer electronics. Okay. So Japan in the 70s, the 80s, -hmm. was amazingly innovative. Mm -hmm. Panasonic, Sony, all of these companies were introducing these these creative projects that were capturing the imaginations of the world. High quality, low cost, really innovative. But something happened Mm -hmm. and they stopped. So from your perspective, what do you think happened to make Japan fall behind Mm And how do you think Japan can change to catch up and once again become a world leader in this? Oh, okay, okay. I think that's a very, 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 very negative way to rebound Japan. Yeah, of course, you, you are correctly so 
Similarly, AD, the Japanese hardware situation, not only consumer electronics include the car and the, yeah. some of the hardware businesses are really growing up and really innovative, but not so long in the future, just 10 years, five years, 10 years. It's, it's a so difficult, I think. The, into the 70 or 80, so Japanese government is really completely following up their, at that time, startup guys. Mm-hmm. So Mr. Honda, Mr. Toyota, Mr. Matsushita, and they are really tightening up with the government to change the regulatory is importing and exporting issues. But right now, Japan was already big countries, so the the regulatory is very tough and very tight, and also the no not so much the passionably entrepreneur is not available right now. So you think it just got too too comfortable? The the relationships with the government and the existing market just got too comfortable for the yes. big companies? And difficult to bring back to the top runner. So we have to focus on some of the specialized earlier. So right now the, the outlook is is pessimistic and, and negative? Yeah, very pessimistic and negative. Okay. So what's what's the fix? How do we fix it? We lost the so many the missing piece. The one is investing, the risk money, and uh, let's take companies also. Panasonic doesn't take any risk. So one of the curious things of the Panasonic guys, the Roomba, it's the iRobot, the vacuum automatic vacuum robot vacuum cleaner. Right, know? the Roomba. Yeah, Roomba. So once Roomba is coming to the market, two thousand three or four. But the Panasonic, Hitachi, Sharp, every Japanese consumer electronics brand is just looking. Don't do it. You know the reason? Why? Because uh, in, in Japan, every the elder person's the house has altar. And altar has candles available. And once the automatic vacuum cleaner hit to the altar, and the ah. candle will be falling down. And the Japanese the house is made of the wood and the paper. Really easy to burn out. That's why they are, they doesn't try to the vacuum cleaner, automatic vacuum cleaner. You make a really interesting point because this is something I have noticed about discussing new projects and new ventures with Japanese companies, the large Japanese companies I've worked with. Everyone will tend to try to think of reasons why it won't work. Yeah, yeah. If you get a table with five people around you, everyone will be trying to come up with as many reasons as possible why it won't work. So that, that's one of the missing pieces. Yeah. Uh, the, the finance is also in, uh, how to say, I, every time I talk, it's uh, the risk management or something like that. Of course, the, everyone says no, no, cannot, cannot. So passion is growing down. So the passion is, uh, I think passion is one of the missing pieces. Yeah. I, I think we are seeing some changes. For example, the same model that you use to test market products. Mm-hmm. Even uh, Sony has been experimenting with this. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sony has experimented with using crowdfunding yes. to to try what they thought was really, you know, crazy risky products. Yes. So you think we might be seeing more of that, more mm-hmm. of um, the same model that Saravo is using, just just having bigger companies use it? The maybe bigger company will be used the same way, but the, they are a huge battleship, the, how to say, container ship. Once they decide to go around, 
So they have to spend uh, one day or yeah, six hours. Yeah, 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 yeah. From my understanding, they're way you know just turning. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe they've started their turn already. Yeah, but but the good news is that right now we are collaborating with a huge company, the Docomo, the Panasonic, Toshiba, mm-hmm. and they like to try and error using the crowdfunding or using a, how to say very small proof of concept mass production. But they cannot do it right now because they are now turning. <laughs> Slowly <laughs> turning. But the once we, um, my company, a startup company and a huge company is collaborated with that, the project. So we can e- really easily to profit, make a proof of concept product in the market. Last year, we launched the product with the Panasonic and we launched the product with the Toshiba. And this year, we are going to launch the product with the Docomo. All right. Well, that sounds very... Not pessimistic at all. It sounds kind of optimistic that things are <laughs> slowly starting to turn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, listen, before we wrap up for today, mm-hmm. I want to ask you what I call my magic wand question. If I gave you a magic wand and I said you could change one thing about Japan, anything at all, the education system, the laws, the way people think, mm-hmm. to make it better for startups... What would you change? If I received that question two years before, maybe I said it's an education system. But uh, today, the education system was slightly changed, and the people's mind was changed in these two years. So I have to choose the other magic one target. How has it changed in the last two years? It's very simple. So two years before, startup CEO is not a hero. But the Prime Minister Abe and some other guys is changing the culture. So nowadays, if I'm going to ask to Tokyo University guys or KO University guys, maybe they they are feeling, I don't know the exact answer, but they are feeling the image. It's a, the entrepreneur is cool. It's it's completely changed. That's true. There's a lot more role models now. Yes, yes, yes. Okay. So you have to use your magic wand on something else. To change the default language from the Japanese to the English. Oh. To to English? Yeah. Or? Not Chinese. <laughs> <laughs> How would that change things? Why would that be better? I saw the many different startup companies and entrepreneurs and huge company guys. Some of the guy has a very good idea. And some of the guy has a very good prototype, but the, they can't introduce their good things to the, the global. If they can speak the, the English very well, and then, uh, oh, sorry. So I have to change not only uh, just the language. So it's a communication skill with English. Sure. Yeah, because the US guys is not only US guys, Chinese also, but the, they are really passionately the com- they have a very high the communicate skill. That's a very very important skill in into their their startup business and their entrepreneurs. You think a lot of Japanese startups are not going global because they simply because they lack that communication ability. In fact, they have many different type of the reasons. Mm-hmm. Not only a language and not only a communication, but one of the important the part is the language and the communication. Hopefully, we'll be seeing 
seeing more of that, more global yeah. startups going forward. And also, I like to use the magic wand for me. I have to change my English skill. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think you've done pretty well. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for sitting Thank down. Thank you so much. Some of Japan's largest companies are starting open innovation programs and actively reaching out to global startups. They're new at this, and that's where Crew, with two W's, comes in. Crew runs corporate startup accelerators for companies like Toyota and Panasonic and dozens more. And these programs are one of the best ways to jumpstart your business in Japan. Many are open to global startups, and they're completely free. Now, I've known and worked with the Crew team, and they're probably doing more than anyone to bridge the gap between corporate Japan and global startups. So drop by crew with two W's dot M-E slash four hyphen startups and get started. And we're back. If someone had simply told me about Saravo's marketing approach, at first I would have said it was just wishful thinking. Simply building really cool things and then showing them off at major trade shows sounds like a recipe for frustration and failure. But Saravo's made it work. And if you listen closely to Takuma, it was pretty clear that the actual strategy was a much more proactive and complex one than his first description. I found it particularly interesting that he found the international trade shows were the best way for a Japanese IoT company to attract the attention of the Japanese media. Well, it's true that Japan is very outward-looking in terms of trying to spot technology trends. I also found Cerevo's business structure to be particularly interesting. They are set up less as a consumer electronics company and more like a hardware IoT accelerator with small, independent teams responsible for the development, growth, and success of each product. The missing component to this model is, of course, that the team members themselves are employees and don't have equity in the projects. I don't think that structure would work in the U.S., but it doesn't seem to be hurting them here. In fact, this situation is not unusual in Japan. Startup stock options are becoming more and more common, but they are far from universal here. Still, though, it makes a lot of sense that Cerevo does not want to be, and probably cannot be, a true mass-market manufacturer but their strategy of building cool technology, producing just enough of them to prove themselves in the marketplace, and then selling the project to a true mass-market manufacturer in that space seems to be an excellent one, and one in which they are already beginning to succeed. If you want to know more about the Internet of Things, or about Cerevo, or cool, geeky gadgets in general, Takuma and I would love to hear from you. So come by disruptingjapan.com slash show 067 and let's talk about it. When you drop by, you'll find all the links and sites that Takuma and I talked about and much, much more in the resources section of the post. And most of all, thanks for listening. And thank you for letting people interested in Japanese startups know about the show. I'm Tim Romero, and thanks for listening to Disrupting Japan.